welcome back everyone to 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. We have two stories for you today, The Little Black Doll and Uncle Richard's New Year Dinner. And now, The Little Black Doll. A story from Canadian author Lucy Maud Montgomery, called The Little Black Doll. And now, our story. Everybody in the Marshall household was excited on the evening of the concert at the Harbor Light Hotel. Everybody, even to little Joyce, who couldn't go to the concert because there wasn't anybody else to stay with Denise. Perhaps Denise was the most excited of them all. Denise, who was slowly dying of consumption in the Marshall kitchen chamber because there was no other place in the world for her to die in, or anybody to trouble about her. Mrs. Roderick Marshall thought it very good of herself to do so much for Denise. To be sure, Denise was not much bother, and little Joyce did most of the waiting on her. At the tea-table nothing was talked of but the concert, for was not Madame Lauren, the great French-Canadian prima donna, at the hotel, and was she not going to sing? It was the opportunity of a lifetime. The Marshalls would not have missed it for anything. Stately, handsome old Grandmother Marshall was going, and Uncle Roderick and Aunt Isabella, and of course Chrissy, who was always taken everywhere because she was pretty and graceful, and everything that little Joyce was not. Little Joyce would have liked to go to the concert, for she was very fond of music, and besides, she wanted to be able to tell Denise all about it. But when you are shy and homely and thin and awkward, your grandmother never takes you anywhere. At least, such was little Joyce's belief. Little Joyce knew quite well that Grandmother Marshall did not like her. She thought it was because she was so plain and awkward, and in part it was. Grandmother Marshall cared very little for granddaughters who did not do her credit. But little Joyce's mother had married a poor man in the face of her family's disapproval, and then both she and her husband had been inconsiderate enough to die and leave a small orphan without a penny to support her. Grandmother Marshall fed and clothed the child, but who could make anything of such a shy creature with no gifts or graces whatever? Grandmother Marshall had no intention of trying. Chrissy, the golden-haired and pink-cheeked, was Grandmother Marshall's pet. Little Joyce knew this. She did not envy Chrissy, but oh, how she wished Grandmother Marshall would love her a little, too. Nobody loved her but Denise and the little black doll and little Joyce was beginning to understand that Denise would not be in the kitchen chamber very much longer, and the little black doll couldn't tell you she loved you, although she did, of course. Little Joyce had no doubt at all on this point. Little Joyce sighed so deeply over this thought that Uncle Roderick smiled at her. Uncle Roderick did smile at her sometimes. "'What is the matter, little Joyce?' he asked. "'I was thinking about my black doll.' "'said little Joyce, timidly. "'Ah, your black doll. "'If Madame Lauren were to see it, "'she'd likely want it. "'She makes a hobby of collecting dolls "'all over the world, "'but I doubt if she has in her collection "'a doll that served to amuse a little girl four thousand years ago "'in the court of the pharaohs.' "'I think Joyce's black doll is very ugly,' "'said Chrissy. "'My wax doll with the yellow hair "'is ever so much prettier.' "'My black doll isn't ugly,' cried little Joyce indignantly. "'She could endure to be called ugly herself, "'but she could not bear to have her darling black doll called ugly. "'In her excitement, she upset her cup of tea over the tablecloth. 
Aunt Isabella looked angry, and Grandmother Marshall said sharply, "'Joyce, leave the table. You grow more awkward and careless every day.' Little Joyce, on the verge of tears, crept away and went up the kitchen stairs to Denise to be comforted. But Denise herself had been crying. She lay on her little bed by the low window, where the glow of the sunset was coming in. Her hollow cheeks were scarlet with fever. "'Oh!' "'I want so much to hear Madame Lauren sing,' she sobbed. "'I feel like I could die easier if I hear her sing just one little song. "'She is Frenchwoman, too, and she sing all the old French songs, "'the old songs my mother sang long ago. "'Oh, I so want to hear Madame Lauren sing.' "'But you can't, dear Denise,' said Little Joyce, very softly, "'stroking Denise's hot forehead with her cool, slender hand.' "'Little Joyce had very pretty hands, only nobody had ever noticed them. "'You are not strong enough to go to the concert. "'I'll sing for you, if you like. "'Of course, I can't sing very well, but I'll do my best.' "'You sing like a sweet bird, but you're not Madame Lauren,' said Denise restlessly. "'It is the great Madame I want to hear. "'I have not long to live. "'Oh, I know, Little Joyce. "'I know what the doctor looked like. "'and I want to hear Madame Lauren sing before I die. "'I know it's impossible, but I long for it so. "'Just one little song.' "'Denise put her thin hands over her face and sobbed again. "'Little Joyce went and sat down by the window, "'looking out into the white birches. "'Her heart ached bitterly. "'Dear Denise was going to die soon. "'Oh, very soon. "'Little Joyce,' "'wise and knowing beyond her years, saw that. "'And Denise wanted to hear Madame Lauren sing. "'It seemed a foolish thing to think of, "'but little Joyce thought hard about it, "'and when she had finished thinking, "'she got her little black doll and took it to bed with her, "'and there she cried herself to sleep. "'At the breakfast table next morning, "'the marshals talked about the concert "'and the wonderful Madame Lauren. "'Little Joyce listened in her usual silence.' Her crying the night before had not improved her looks any. Never, thought handsome Grandmother Marshall, had she appeared so sallow and homely. Really, Grandmother Marshall could not have the patience to look at her. She decided that she would not take Joyce driving with her and Chrissy that afternoon, as she had first thought of, after all. In the forenoon it was discovered that Denise was much worse, and the doctor was sent for. He came and shook his head. "'that being really all he could do under the circumstances. "'When he went away, he was waylaid at the back door "'by a small gypsy with big black serious eyes and long black hair. "'Is Denise going to die?' "'Little Joyce asked in the blunt, straightforward fashion "'Grandmother Marshall found so trying. "'The doctor looked at her from under his shaggy brows "'and decided that here was one of the people "'to whom you might as well tell the truth first as last "'because they are bound to have it. "'Yes,' he said. Soon? Very soon, I'm afraid, in a few days at most. Thank you, said little Joyce, gravely. She went to her room and did something with the black doll. She did not cry, but if you could have seen her face, you would have wished she would cry. After dinner, Grandmother Marshall and Chrissy drove away, and Uncle Roderick and Aunt Isabella went away too. Little Joyce crept up to the kitchen chamber. Denise was lying in an uneasy sleep, with tear stains on her face. Then little Joyce tiptoed down and sped away to the hotel.
She did not know just what she would say or do when she got there, but she thought hard all the way to the end of the shore road. When she came out to the shore, a lady was sitting alone on a big rock, a lady with a dark, beautiful face and wonderful eyes. Little Joyce stopped before her and looked at her meditatively. Perhaps it would be well to ask advice of this lady. "'If you please,' said Little Joyce, who was never shy with strangers, for whose opinion she didn't care at all. "'I want to see Madame Lauren at the hotel and ask her to do me a very great favor. Will you tell me the best way to go about seeing her? I shall be much obliged to you.' "'What is the favor you want to ask of Madame Lauren?' inquired the lady, smiling. "'I want to ask her if she will come and sing to Denise before she dies. "'Before Denise dies, I mean. "'Denise is our French girl, and the doctor says she cannot live very long, "'and she wishes with all her heart to hear Madame Lauren sing. "'It is very bitter, you know, to be dying and want something very much "'and not be able to get it.' "'Do you think Madame Lauren will go?' asked the lady. "'I don't know.' "'I'm going to offer her my little black doll. "'If she will not come for that, "'there's nothing else I can do.' "'A flash of interest lighted up in the lady's brown eyes. "'She bent forward. "'Is it your doll you have in that box? "'Will you let me see it?' "'Little Joyce nodded. "'Mutely she opened the box and took out the black doll. "'The lady gave an exclamation of amazed delight "'and almost snatched it from Little Joyce.' It was a very peculiar little doll indeed, carved out of some black polished wood. "'Child, where in the world did you get this?' she cried. "'Father got it out of a grave in Egypt,' said Little Joyce. "'It was buried with the mummy of a little girl who lived four thousand years ago. Uncle Roderick says she must have loved her doll very much to have had it buried with her, mustn't she? But she could not have loved it any more than I do.' "'And yet—' "'You're willing to give it away?' said the lady, looking at her keenly. "'For Denise's sake,' explained little Joyce, "'I would do anything for Denise, because I love her, and she loves me. "'When the only person in the world who loves you is going to die, "'there's nothing you would not do for her if you could. "'Denise was so good to me before she took sick. "'She used to kiss me and play with me and make little cakes for me "'and tell me beautiful stories.' The lady put the little black doll back in the box. Then she stood up and held out her hand. "'Come,' she said. "'I am Madame Lauren, and I shall go and sing for Denise.' Little Joyce piloted Madame Lauren home and into the kitchen and up the back stairs to the kitchen chamber, a proceeding which would have filled Aunt Isabella with horror if she had known. But Madame Lauren did not seem to mind, and little Joyce never thought about it at all. It was Little Joyce's awkward, unmarshal-like fashion to go to a place by the shortest way there, even if it was up the kitchen stairs. Madame Lauren stood in the bare little room and looked pityingly at the wasted, wistful face on the pillow. "'This is Madame Lauren, and she's going to sing for you, Denise,' whispered Little Joyce. Denise's face lighted up, and she clasped her hands. "'If you please,' she said faintly. "'A French song, madame? "'The old French song they sing long ago.' "'Then did Madame Lauren sing. "'Never had that kitchen chamber "'been so filled with glorious melody. "'Song after song she sang, 
the old folklore songs of the habitat, the songs perhaps that Evangeline listened to in her childhood. Little Joyce knelt by the bed, her eyes on the singer like one entranced. Denise lay with her face full of joy and rapture. Such joy and rapture! Little Joyce did not regret the sacrifice of her black doll. Never could regret it, as long as she remembered Denise's look. "'Thank you, madam,' said Denise brokenly, when madam ceased. "'That was so beautiful. The angel, they cannot sing more sweet. "'I love music so much, madam. Little Joyce, she sing to me often and often. She sings sweet, but she not you, not like you.' "'Little Joyce must sing for me,' said Madam, smiling, as she sat down by the window. "'I always like to hear fresh, childish voices. Will you, Little Joyce?' "'Oh, yes.' Little Joyce was quite unembarrassed and perfectly willing to do anything she could for this wonderful woman who had brought that look to Denise's face. "'I will sing as well as I can for you. Of course, I can't sing very well, and I don't know anything but hymns.' I always sing hymns for Denise, although she is a Catholic and hymns are Protestant. But her priest told her it was all right, because all music was of God. Denise's priest is a very nice man, and I like him. He thought my little black doll, your little black doll, was splendid. I'll sing Lead Kindly Light. That's Denise's favorite hymn. Then little Joyce slipping her hand into Denise's, began to sing. At the first note, Madame Lauren, who had been gazing out of the window with a rather listless smile, turned quickly and looked at Little Joyce with amazed eyes. Delight followed amazement, and when Little Joyce had finished, the great Madame rose impulsively, her face and eyes glowing, stepped swiftly to Little Joyce, and took the thin, dark face between her gemmed hands. "'Child!' "'Do you know what a wonderful voice you have? "'What a marvelous voice! "'It is... "'I never heard such a voice in a child of your age. "'Mine was nothing to it, nothing at all. "'You will be a great singer some day, "'far greater than I, yes. "'But you must have the training. "'Where are your parents? "'I must see them.' "'I, I have no parents,' said the bewildered little Joyce. I belong to Grandmother Marshall, and she's out driving. Then I shall wait until your Grandmother Marshall comes home from her drive, said Madame Lauren decidedly. Half an hour later, a very much surprised old lady was listening to Madame Lauren's enthusiastic statements. How is it I've never heard you sing, if you can sing so well? asked Grandmother Marshall, looking at little Joyce with something in her eyes that had never been in them before as Little Joyce instantly felt to the core of her sensitive soul. But Little Joyce hung her head. It had never occurred to her to sing in Grandmother Marshall's presence. "'This child must be trained by and by,' said Madame Lauren. "'If you cannot afford it, Mrs. Marshall, I will see to it. Such a voice must not be wasted.' "'Thank you, Madame Lauren,' said Grandmother Marshall, with a gracious dignity." "'but I am quite able to give my granddaughter "'all the necessary advantages for the development of her gift, "'and I thank you very much for telling me of it.' "'Madame Lauren bent and kissed little Joyce's brown cheek. "'Little Gypsy, good-bye, "'but come every day to this hotel to see me, 
"'and next summer I shall be back. "'I like you, because some day you will be a great singer, "'and because today you are a loving, unselfish baby.' "'You have forgotten my little black doll, madame,' said little Joyce gravely. "'Madame threw up her hands, laughing. "'No, no, I shall not take your little black doll of the four thousand years. "'Keep it for a mascot. "'A great singer always needs a mascot. "'But do not, I command you, take it out of the box till I am gone, "'for if I were to see it again, I might not be able to resist the temptation. "'Somebody else shall show you my dolls.' "'but there's not such a gem among them.' "'When Madame Lauren had gone, "'Grandmother Marshall looked at little Joyce. "'Come to my room, Joyce. "'I want to see if we cannot find a more becoming way "'of arranging your hair. "'It has grown so thick and long. "'I had no idea how thick and long. "'Yes, we must certainly find a better way "'than that stiff braid. "'Come.' "'Little Joyce,' "'taking Grandmother Marshall's extended hand. "'Felt very happy. "'She realized that this strange, stately old lady, "'who never liked little girls unless they were pretty, "'or graceful, or clever, "'was beginning to love her at last. "'We'll return with Uncle Richard's New Year dinner "'right after these sponsor messages. "'And now, Uncle Richard's New Year dinner "'by Lucy Maud Montgomery.' Prissy Baker was in Oscar Miller's store New Year's morning, buying matches, for New Year's was not kept as a business holiday in Quincy. When her uncle, Richard Baker, came in, he did not look at Prissy, nor did she wish him a happy New Year. She would not have dared. Uncle Richard had not been on speaking terms with her or her father, his only brother, for eight years. He was a big, ruddy, prosperous-looking man, an uncle to be proud of, Prissy thought wistfully, "'if only he were like other people's uncles, "'or indeed, like what he used to be himself. "'He was the only uncle Prissy had, "'and when she'd been a little girl, "'they had been great friends. "'But that was before the quarrel, "'in which Prissy had had no share, to be sure, "'although Uncle Richard seemed to include her in his rancor. "'Richard Baker, so he informed Mr. Miller, "'was on his way to Navarre with a load of pork.' "'I don't intend going over until the afternoon,' he said. "'But Joe Hemming sent word yesterday "'he wouldn't be buying pork after twelve today. "'So I have to tote my hogs over at once. "'I don't care about doing business New Year's morning.' "'Should think New Year's would be pretty much the same "'as any other day to you,' said Mr. Miller, "'for Richard Baker was a bachelor "'with only old Mrs. Janeway to keep house for him. "'Well, I always like a good dinner on New Year's,' said Richard Baker." "'It's about the only way I can celebrate. "'Mrs. Janeway wanted to spend the day "'with her son's family over at Oriental, "'so I was laying out to cook my own dinner. "'I got everything ready in the pantry last night "'for I got word about the pork. "'I won't get back from Navarre before one o'clock, "'so I reckon I'll have to put up with a cold bite.' "'After her Uncle Richard had driven away, "'Prissy walked thoughtfully home. She had planned to spend a nice, lazy holiday with the new book her father had given her at Christmas and a box of candy. She did not even mean to cook a dinner, for her father had had to go to town that morning to meet a friend and would be gone the whole day. There was nobody else to cook dinner for. Prissy's mother had died when Prissy was a baby. She was her father's housekeeper, and they had jolly times together. But as she walked home, she could not help thinking about Uncle Richard. He would certainly have cold New Year cheer, 
enough to chill the whole coming year. She felt sorry for him, picturing him returning from Navarre, cold and hungry, to find a fireless house and an uncooked dinner in the pantry. Suddenly an idea popped into Prissy's head. Dared she? Oh, she never could. But he would never know. There'd be plenty of time. She would. Prissy hurried home, put her matches away, took a regretful peep at her unopened book, then locked the door and started up the road to Uncle Richard's house half a mile away. She meant to go and cook Uncle Richard's dinner for him, get it all beautifully ready, then slip away before he came home. He would never suspect her of it. Prissy would not have him suspect for the world. She thought he would be more likely to throw a dinner of her cooking out of doors than to eat it. Eight years before this, when Prissy had been nine years old, Richard and Irving Baker had quarreled over the division of a piece of property. The fault had been mainly on Richard's side, and that very fact made him all the more unrelenting and stubborn. He had never spoken to his brother since, and he declared that he never would. Prissy and her father felt very badly over it, but Uncle Richard did not seem to feel badly at all. To all appearance, he had completely forgotten that there were such people in the world as his brother Irving and his niece Prissy. Prissy had no trouble in breaking into Uncle Richard's house, for the woodshed door was unfastened. She tripped into the hostile kitchen with rosy cheeks and mischief sparkling in her eyes. This was an adventure. This was fun. She would tell her father all about it when he came home at night, and what a laugh they would have. There was still a good fire in the stove, and in the pantry Prissy found the dinner in its raw state. A fine roast of fresh pork, potatoes, cabbage, turnips, and the ingredients of a raisin pudding, for Richard Baker was fond of raisin puddings, and could make them as well as Miss Janeway could, if that was anything to boast of. In a short time the kitchen was full of bubbling and hissings and appetizing odors. Percy enjoyed herself hugely, and the raisin pudding, which she rather doubtfully mixed up, behaved itself beautifully. "'Uncle Richard said he'd be home by one,' said Percy to herself, as the clock struck twelve. "'So I'll set the table now, dish up the dinner, and leave it where it will keep warm until it gets here. Then I'll slip away home. I'd like to see his face when he steps in.' I suppose you'll think one of the Jenner girls across the street has cooked his dinner. Prissy soon had the table set, and she was just peppering the turnips when a gruff voice behind her said, Well, well, what does this mean? Prissy whirled around as if she'd been shot, and there stood Uncle Richard in the woodshed door. Poor Prissy! She could not have looked or felt more guilty if Uncle Richard had caught her robbing his desk. She did not drop the turnips for a wonder, but she was too confused to set them down. So she stood there holding them, her face crimson, her heart thumping, and a horrible choking in her throat. I, I, I came to cook your dinner for you, Uncle Richard, she stammered. I heard you say in the store that Mrs. Janeway, that Mrs. Janeway had gone home and that you had nobody to cook your New Year's dinner for you. So I thought I'd come and do it. "'but I meant to slip away before you came home.' "'Poor Prissy felt that she would never get to the end of her explanation. "'Would Uncle Richard be angry? "'Would he order her away from the house?' "'It was very kind of you,' said Uncle Richard, dryly. "'It's a wonder your father let you come.' "'Father was not home, "'but I'm sure he would not have prevented me if he had been. "'Father has no hard feelings against you, Uncle Richard.' <laughs> 
said Uncle Richard. "'Well, since you've cooked the dinner, you must stop and help me eat it. It smells good, I must say. Mrs. Janeway always burns pork when she roasts it. Sit down, Prissy. I'm hungry.' They sat down. Prissy felt quite giddy and breathless, and could hardly eat for excitement. But Uncle Richard had evidently brought home a good appetite from Navarre, and he did full justice to his New Year's dinner. He talked to Prissy, too, quite kindly and politely, and when the meal was over, he said slowly, "'I'm much obliged to you, Prissy, and don't mind owning to you that I'm sorry for my share in the quarrel, and have wanted for a long time to be friends with your father again, but I was too ashamed and proud to make the first advance. You can tell him so for me, if you like, and if he's willing to let bygones be bygones, tell him I'd like him to come up here with you tonight when he gets home.' "'and spend the evening with me.' "'Oh, he will come, I know,' cried Prissy joyfully. "'He's felt so badly about not being friendly with you, Uncle Richard. "'I'm as glad as can be.' "'Prissy ran impulsively round the table and kissed Uncle Richard. "'He looked up at his tall, girlish niece with a smile of pleasure. "'You're a good girl, Prissy, and a kind-hearted one, too.' "'or you'd never have come up here to cook a dinner "'for a crabbed old uncle "'who deserved to eat cold dinners for his stubbornness. "'It made me cross today "'when folks wished me a happy new year. "'It seemed like mockery "'when I hadn't a soul belonging to me "'to make it happy. "'But it has brought me happiness already, "'and I believe it will be a happy year "'all the way through.' "'Indeed it will,' laughed Prissy. "'I'm so happy now I could sing. "'I believe it was an inspiration.' "'my idea of coming up here to cook your dinner for you. "'You must promise to come and cook my New Year's dinner for me "'every New Year we live near enough together,' said Uncle Richard. "'And Prissy promised. "'Thank you for joining us for these two Lucy Maud Montgomery stories today. "'I always enjoy her style of writing. "'As you well know, we bring short stories every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern "'and every Sunday at 12 noon Eastern Time.' So please join us for our next story, and if you're an Apple lister, please do take a few moments and stop and send us a nice review for 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. And please do share with a friend. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon.